Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio, Speed City. Good evening, gearheads. Welcome to Speed City. It's John Massengale sitting in the studio in Austin, Texas, and I'm joined by my co-host Les Kaiser via Zoom. Good evening, Mr. Kaiser. How are you? Hey, doing good. A little, a uh, little bit of sun on the forehead today. Do I have a mask pattern? Yeah, that's right. Thing? You definitely look a little sun. I got some sun out at Coda today as well. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, we spent Great the day at, at Circuit of the Americas. They had Trans Am and SVRA out there. Man, that was uh, very fun to go just through the parking lot out at Coda today with all the cool classics out there. Absolutely. Great time. Uh, great to see this combination together. And uh, gosh, great to be out on the racetrack again. Well, let me run down what we're going to talk about on the show today. Jonathan Green was out at Coda. He was doing some work for Trans Am and SVRA on the microphones out there. Oh, no! <laughs> yeah. Oh, Yep, as usual, causing mayhem, but he's going to join us here in a few minutes. He's probably just now getting home, and he's going to join us in a minute via Zoom. And But we are going to talk a little bit about Trans Am and SVRA at Coda, but we're also going to talk Formula One. There's a new race that's been announced for next year at Saudi Arabia. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk a little NASCAR, Jimmy Johnson's final race, and, of course, the championship wrapping up today, just a few minutes ago, really. And there's been some other news. The 2021 MotoGP calendar announced with Coda's slot and – we got some other F1 stories and some other stuff that we're going to talk about. But, Les, I think I want to start with our trip out to Coda today. And why don't you well, just talk a little bit about what you, what all you saw, what you did, and then uh, kind of lead into the interview you got out there today. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, it's a great combination of races. It's the uh, Trans Am, which is kind of the modern uh, muscle cars and other cars that are out there, everything from Audi R8s to, uh, you know, the modern challenger is out there. Uh, just everything you see on the street, on the showroom floor nowadays, out there in race trim and running hard. Great to see those classes together, having fantastic competition. Uh, you know, one of the things that I've enjoyed about the Trans Am series, watching it growing up, is it's ever evolving. Uh, new names and veteran names are in there all the time. You never know if you're going to see the next new kid coming up or you're going to see a veteran there and to see those combined on the track, having a lot of fun there and really performing well. And, you know, this is where you can still get the walls to rattle with those engines too. And so it's a fun racing crowd to see. Yeah. The top class in Trans Am, they, they like to claim they got more horsepower than and NASCAR in those in the top class in the TA class. Absolutely. It is a, uh, there's some serious horsepower. There are a lot of downforce in these uh, street shape uh, cars and uh, it's a lot of fun. I like, uh, like I said, I like seeing the mix of, I like seeing the mix of cars, you know, today wrapped up with uh, Boris said and the uh, Mopar, the challenger there. <laughs> and, uh, and then right behind him is a Mustang. And like I said, quite a mix of cars out on course. A now, does the fun. Challenger have the headroom that you need if you're Boris said with the Afro and the special uh, helmet that you have for that Afro? <laughs> you know, uh, that guy seemed to figure out a way to get in and out. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I will say I always liked looking at those cars. And one of the things that it has that, uh, that I thought was cool was, you know, they've got the little flip up panel to let somebody as big as Boris said fit through that and get into the car. <laughs> Man, and, uh, how how tall is Boris? He's I think he's about my height, and he like six two or so. He's uh he was leaning against the car, and he was still taller than me by a couple inches. So yeah, I think you two are in the same area. <laughs> uh, 
Um, and he's been racing a while, man. He's, uh, I, I put in my show notes, veteran race driver. And that's kind of an understatement. I think in his, he's in his late fifties, isn't he? Boris is actually, uh, he and I are within about, uh, three or four months of each other. I do recall from the past. And, uh, you know, he has been racing so many different classes. You know, I, I mentioned, you'll hear it in the interview later. He's actually raced quite a few brands. We've seen him in Chevrolet Corvettes. We've seen him in Camaros. We've seen him in BMWs and, and a whole host of others going back through history. He's one of those that always performs well and is pulled in. You know, he's one of those Chuck Norris drivers. He pulls in, <laughs> he gets the job done and whatever you put him in. Uh, I like that. The, <laughs> the Chuck Norris style. Well, why don't we go ahead and play this interview that you did with Boris said here just what a couple hours ago. So let's let's hear from Boris said. All righty, folks, let's start this off with saying we're the same age. Old guys rule. You ruled all day. You had to muscle. You had to flex. Uh, tell us about this battle you had running. I mean, we had a really good battle with Ernie. I mean, he's tough. I mean, we were running, like, qualifying laps all in the beginning, burning our tires off. But Poncho Weaver builds a great car. You know, Techniques, high-speed prototypes, a great sponsor. You know, these are the guys that are building the car tomorrow for NASCAR that's coming out in 22. And uh, it's great to have them on board. And we just got a really good team. I mean, he's a one-man band. Our transmission guy, Andrews, he came and helped, brought his family. And it was a, it was a team effort this weekend. So it's, it's just a lot of fun. And I'm chasing Greg Pickett, who's my hero. You know, this is my my fourth win in four decades. So I've won a race in four different decades. So uh, I, think I, got, I think i got to go two more decades to catch up to him. I'm well, we, we've seen you in quite a few flavors of cars, you know. Uh, here you are in Mopar. I'm not arguing about a Mopar. I haven't yeah. uh, had them myself. So... Uh, this is, this is just an awesome combination of cars we've seen. You're still on the track. You're still showing. Old guys rule. Yeah, Congrats, yeah. buddy. 58 years old. I'm still standing on the gas. There you go. <laughs> I love the uh, the sound that we get out when we're doing uh, recordings at a circuit. I love that. But but uh, Boris is great, isn't he? He's always fun and, you know, always chatty. And, and it's fun, especially if you uh, get the opportunity to speak to him off the recorder or, or the camera. Uh, he's always got some fun stories. He's got some things that uh, probably wouldn't go public very, uh, very well. <laughs> great stories. Uh, I don't know. You, you and Jonathan took him out to uh, dinner one uh, Christmas holiday, and uh, he tried to join another party, was it? <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. We went to a really nice uh, Fonda San Miguel, real nice restaurant in central Austin. And he and the boys, I think they, it was Turner Motorsports back then. This was probably got 13, 14, maybe 15, but... I forgot about that. Yeah, he, he tried to, uh, I think it was after a couple of margaritas, he tried to join the table of of ladies next door to the second table over. Uh, he's, but he's fun, though, isn't he? <laughs> he is. He's always, like I said, a lot of fun, very approachable. If you're ever out in the paddock, which is a big selling point to the Trans Am Series as a spectator, naturally the crowds weren't nearly as big. But uh, thanks for everybody that was there. Everybody was very respectful. Social distancing, masks were everywhere. And, uh, you know, I, I think we're all just ready to get out. And if it means we got to stay a little distance away from everybody, that was all right. Even during that interview, I'm, I've got a fair amount of space between Boris and I, and we're just having a good time and trying to do some things that feel normal for us. Yeah, uh, it was a pretty good crowd, but you're right. I didn't, I never felt unsafe. Everybody was keeping their distance. And, uh, but, you know, let, let's let Jonathan catch us up on Trans Am since he was doing all that today. But I want to talk about SVRA that was going on out there because, man, there was some awesome cars. I mean, you couldn't uh, – and and not only in the paddock and in both the paddocks, but out in the parking lot, lot, out in lot A and everywhere around. And you couldn't walk 10 feet without getting sucked into another car. Uh, what was that Lotus Cortina you were you were looking at? That thing – I heard that, by the way. Right after we were over there talking to them, we were walking yeah. away, and I heard that car come by, and it sounded great. I know it's a little four-cylinder, but, it, man, it sounded hot. The, uh, the Lotus Cortina is a, uh, was a Ford slash Lotus combined effort, uh, primarily seen over in Europe. I, I knew some folks here stateside that had a Cortina. We've still got a couple of those around town that I see. A uh, great little four-cylinder potent as, uh, as the generation of Lotus was. And a little sedan looks kind of, you know, to uh, put it relative to something local. Remember back into the 70s when you saw Toyota Corollas that were very boxy. Very much the same thing. Had the round tail lights divided in three spots on that tail light. Uh, that was a great friend of the show. 
Uh, if you recall, we were we highlighted that John Weinberger, uh, owner of Continental Autos in Chicago, it's six different uh, dealerships there in the Chicago area, especially the Ferrari dealership. Uh, his widow and friend of the show, Lisa Weinberger, got back in the car today and raced and did great. And it was so awesome to see her back on the track and uh, getting back into things. Great little car, though. Yeah, that was. I mean, I I got I, I went with my son, as you know. We got sucked into, you know, he loves the. Uh, I, I mean, lots of cars, but he's into some of the the uh, Japanese racers, and we got sucked into some of the the Datsun, the B two tens, and and uh, but everything was out there. I mean, everything from late model stuff. Like I saw lots of uh, late model uh, Vipers and Corvettes, of course, and Mustangs and Camaros. But there was like I saw a. Uh, what was that? Oh, it was a uh, a Lotus Esprit out there, and I mean, you that could go on and on, but it was really a fun time out at Coda today. And SVRA yeah. is such a good event; it's such a great family event too. You mentioned the the Datsuns, and yes, Datsun pre Nissan era for us stateside. The Peter Brock uh, engineering or pre Peter Brock engines that uh, there were three of the uh, probably clones of that generation of Datsun out there with the two tens and the Z cars and that pack. And I absolutely love that. That's one of those that, uh, you know, I recall in the late sixties, early seventies, watching the white pattern with the red and blue stripes, you know, maybe a red hood on the car, but uh, the BRE team uh, with the Datsun was absolutely phenomenal. And they are, uh, it's, it's just very nostalgic for me to go into the paddock Another great selling point of SVRA is uh, that full access to the paddock. Get up oh. close and look at the history that's raced. Yeah, full access is an understatement. You just walk into any garage you want and strike up a conversation with whoever's car you got right in front of you. But, hey, we need to take a break. But when we come back, we're going to take this break because Jonathan Green has joined us, and we're going to all catch our breath before Jonathan fires up and tell us what he was doing out of Dakota today. You're listening to Speed City. We're live in Austin, Texas, back after these messages. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride. Or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. At Circle Brewing, the belief is less is more when it comes to brewing a better beer. You won't find any chemicals or additives, only water, malt, hops, and yeast, and absolutely nothing else. Just simple ingredients and outstanding taste. It's German purity with Texas ingenuity. Find the brews on tap all over town in your favorite store or drop by the tap room at 2340 West Breaker Lane. Open Thursday and Friday nights and weekends. Log on to circlebrewing.com. Circle Brewing Company. Born, bred, and brewed in Texas. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? Bye. 
and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Talk 1370, the right choice. Hello to everyone, this is Gunter Steiner, this is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back to the show. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. Tell us what you want to hear about tonight. 512-643-LIVE, 512-643-5483. And we got Jonathan Green, who just got back from Circuit of the Americas, calling some of the Trans Am racing out there. Welcome back, Jonathan. Thank you very much. Yeah, long weekend. Uh, yeah. We're on at 5 to 8 this morning. Uh, we had a brief lunch break, and we were calling all the group races in SVRA, uh, Miata MX-5 Cup, and, of course, Trans Am. Awesome. And uh, we, got, we got to be out there today and hear some of those Trans Am cars blasting around the, the circuit. Do they really have more horsepower than a NASCAR Cup car? <laughs> That's a good question. Well, you know, there's not a lot of difference, honestly. We race uh, a couple of times a year at Mid-Ohio and uh, Road America with NASCAR in the Xfinity com- uh, Championship. Uh, in fact, a lot of the drivers, the young drivers like Christopher Bell and a few others, um, will join us to get extra practice on track. And frankly, the, the only big difference is, honestly, um, is that we have the, the wings, the, the tiny wings at the back. So we've got more aerodynamics than a NASCAR. Um, but there really isn't a lot of difference. And we heard sort of through the grapevine today that a lot of NASCAR guys were watching before Phoenix because <laughs> they were they were just sort of tuning in uh, to see what it would be lo- like to drive a stock car around the Circuit of the Americas and also get an idea of the, you know, the sort of times that they were putting down. And Yeah, what uh, were the lap times? Today. Well, um, we're talking 211 two, uh, in the... TA class and probably not far off that in um, TA2, if I'm, not better than that. I bet you NASCAR is going to be faster than that. Yes, of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I, you know, I'm looking excited to Jonathan, you started to comment there about the different uh, folks that are there. I absolutely love the mix of a uh, new young and up and coming crowd and veterans such as Boris that we see there. Uh, mixing it up and you know the the comment I made to Boris is uh, you know he's my age and uh, old guys can still roll and he does it and he is out there muscling around against younger drivers and uh, but lasting the entire race and the truth is you know Boris said is long retired you know he had a, a distinguished NASCAR career and a sports car career and he doesn't race anything else but Trans Am and he's pretty much gets two or three races a year Paul Tracy uh, raced again today. And of course, now he's doing commentary. And I think Tanzan Bell and Lee Diffie have probably pushed him into doing some more racing. And he's like, well, if I'm going to race, I'm going to race Trans Am. And just like Boris, just like Paul Tracy, they all say they love Trans Am for the simplicity that it's just pure racing, going through that gearbox, hearing it, feeling it. No add-ons, no extras, no ABS, no traction control, just pure racing. Well, Boris said... We were talking and I started thinking through, I was like, oh, well, no, he raced this and he raced that and he raced this. And then I'm starting to get confused. So Boris said, we joked about him being the Chuck Norris of racing. Listen to this. NASCAR, American Le Mans series, V8 supercars. He raced in the X Games, SCCA National Championship, 24-hour Le Mans, Monster Energy Cup Series, Daytona 500, Xfinity, Craftsman Truck, you need to go to commercial, go ahead. Craftsman <laughs> Truck Series, Bush North Series, Winston West Series, ARCA, and Supercars again, and WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. How and is guess that? What? And guess what? That's unbelievable. And guess what? His father raced Formula One. Well, that's why he's the only racing Trans Am, because he's raced everything else. This is all that's left. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, and he, he's, he's settled on the best. 
<laughs> yeah, it was fun out there today. What did you guys think of the show? Because it's important to me to report back to Tony Perella, my boss, uh, who is responsible for all 360 cars involved today. We had 59 Trans Am cars, and we had over 350 um, SVRA cars, as well as a Haggerty Cars and Coffee. Cars and Coffee. <laughs> you can tell I've been talking for a while. Uh, cars and Coffee. And we also had a Corvette uh, show as well. So we really did have a bumper crowd, one of the biggest events in U.S. vintage racing. Well, I thought uh, I didn't get out there till Sunday about noon. And I know actually some of the people are already starting to pack up and go. Uh, before you came on, I was just talking about, well, I love to see all the cars. But the, S the uh, Trans Am side of it, I love the sound of those Trans Am cars. Oh, that's and, right. And I didn't really get to sit and watch racing. I just had about two hours out there. So, I mean, it was it was great. But I will give you a report on my neighbor because he went out there with his two young boys. And I'll let you know what he says because uh, he was out there all day today. So I'll find out, you know, he, and he's he's new to racing. So we'll see what he says about it, too. And it's great for kids because they're allowed to touch the cars. And, and in fact, the drivers will literally pick the kids up and place them in the car, which they get a big thrill out of. And I remember that's what got me when I was three or four years old. My dad took me to Brown's Hatch and, you know, I got shown around. I, I got the privileged seat because my uncle was racing. But, um, you know, it really does change a little kid, whether a little boy or a little girl. And also we had, talking to girls, Michelle Abate uh, won in the West Coast Championship today and could win the West Coast Championship. So uh, we've got girl power going strong. And also Natalie De Decker also raced in the West Coast. So Trans Am is going from strength to strength despite COVID. That's awesome. Well, hey, guys, I want to shift gears a little bit. And uh, and I, I, we've luckily, we've got our NASCAR reporter with us tonight, our British NASCAR reporter. Jonathan, I know you were on the air today, but I don't know. I'm sure you saw that Chase Elliott won the 2020 NASCAR Cup Series title at Phoenix Raceway. And I just want to get your take on that and also talk about Jimmy Johnson a little bit too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, um, Jimmy is the big, bigger story in many ways, but it's kind of neat that uh, on the day that uh, Jimmy hangs up uh, his mantle as the greatest driver of all time in NASCAR, seven titles um, in the number 48, um, and now we'll turn to be Scott Dixon's teammate in Indy, which is so exciting for American racing. But Chase Elliott actually um, squeaked through a little bit. It was touch and go whether he'd come through um, to actually get to the final four. But to be fair, Chase Elliott has had a superb season and I'm really pleased for him. And of course, he, he carries on the Elliott tradition. We had Bill Elliott racing in Trans Am this time last year at Mid-Ohio. So, you know, um, just like the Earnhardts, the Elliots are a NASCAR family through and through. And uh, so uh, Chase is just uh, basically uh, following in his father's footsteps. And I'm delighted for him because that is, I wouldn't say to turn up because um, he's been competitive all year. Um, but I don't think anybody expected him to come home with the big one. Yeah, I was, uh, I don't know. I'm just, now that we've got NASCAR coming to Coda next year, I'm just really excited to talk about it more and more and and follow it. But, but yeah, that Jimmy Johnson going to to IndyCar that's going to be a blast too. And I was joking about Jonathan. I was joking, but I wasn't joking about you covering NASCAR because you do cover NASCAR, don't you? Yeah, I do. Yes, I do. I do uh, every week. I do uh, Motorsport Mondial, which you can now uh, listen to on Speed City. I may add. So uh, we'll we'll give you some more information when we get our. Uh, uh, ducks in a row, but uh, we have a new show, uh, Motorsport Mundial, uh, which we'll be putting out as a podcast, and um, it's basically a weekly world motorsport show, and it um, basically takes on the world of motorsport and NASCAR, IndyCar, Formula One, you name it, um, it's in the show, and bikes too, and um, I'm very proud to be part of that. Um, it's a worldwide show with 900 million viewers each week, and uh, yeah, I do the NASCAR show. I do the NASCAR coverage for them. And, and I've been delighted because I'm learning a lot about the history and about uh, NASCAR and I'm really enjoying it. And I'm delighted that they're coming in May and NASCAR's changing too. NASCAR is moddening up. No question about it. You know, it's been through a couple of rough years in the last few years in terms of attendance and in terms of sort of notoriety. Um, and I think it's, it's about to hit another big wave because maybe Jimmy's going, but now the youngsters are coming through. Uh, Michael Jordan is forming a team next year with Bubba Wallace. Um, there's lots yeah. of young kids coming through. Uh, you know, Suarez, uh, Larson has now got reinstated. You remember he got fired 
um, for some um, racial slurs earlier in the season uh, on E Trans uh, Trans Am, excuse me, on E uh, NASCAR Racing. Yeah, but he's back for next year, and there's a few driver swaps and changes. But the big news is Michael Jordan is stepping into NASCAR, and that is going to change the face the the face of NASCAR forever. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really uh, a pretty significant change going on with Bubba Wallace and uh, all the Black Lives Matter and everything and, and NASCAR coming out immediately and, what, banning the uh, Confederate flag. So they've gone through a bunch of changes and trying to grow their audience and modernize. So we'll see how all that and, plays out. And by the way, uh, Steve Phelps is also, you know, this is a big move taking NASCAR to Coda to do another road race. And like I said, we, we were aware that a lot of people were tuning in from NASCAR today before the Phoenix race because this was their first chance to see stock cars on the Circuit of the Americas. Um, and there's often been a complaint amongst NASCAR fans over the last few years that A, um, a Watkins Glen or any road course, iconic or not, uh, should be included in the chase. And it hasn't happened yet, uh, but you did notice that the Roval at Charlotte came in to the chase this year. Unfortunately, it was pretty much rained out. Um, but um, now with uh, Cota uh, coming in May, if it's successful and if the drivers like it, which they will, we heard from Tony Stewart ourselves when he went around it. And of course, you remember the V8 guys were here with Kurt Busch. Um, I think that Coda could well get them to the chase. And at that point, you get huge TV numbers. And, of course, it's all on. And I think it'd be great to have a bunch of ovals, a roval, and a road course in the chase. And I hope it's Coda. You yeah. bet. You know, Tony, we asked Tony about the 3.4-mile distance we've got here at Coda. Tony Stewart. That was too yeah. long if it was not long, you know, if it was too long for the series. Because we saw the Aussie V8s go to the shorter course and utilize. I should never have done that. I agree. I agree. Have you heard anything to uh, to push either direction? I, I'm pushing for the 3.4 miles. I, I think it's absolutely going to be 3.4, yeah. uh, the 3.14 miles. Uh, it can't be any different. It would be um, it would be a waste of time coming otherwise. Yeah. To be honest, I, I don't think there's any doubt. I agree with you, Jonathan. I, I think it'd be silly. Hey, Les, speaking of NASCARs on Coda, wasn't there a couple of vintage NASCAR out there today? Oh, yeah. I Rusty think... Wallace. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Well, one of Rusty Wallace's cup cars was there. Had the opportunity to see it a little bit. I couldn't get up close to it. I didn't want to get in the way of the mechanics. But uh, like I said, uh, that's just another thing I enjoy of this combination of the SVRA and, and uh, Trans Am being together. You get a mix of personalities. I saw a couple of folks that were running in both series and things and so uh that's great to have somebody in two different cars and the two different series hmm. what do you uh you know what's the big takeaway uh this is probably the biggest event that has come together for trans am and svra now that they're all in the family what do you think jonathan um, I think that Tony Perella is going from strength to strength with what he's doing with combining SBRA with Trans Am. As you can imagine, uh, we've also taken the, uh, the step of, if you imagine Trans Am, we had a CBS contract um, uh, to run Trans Am on the CBS Sports Network. But we're leaning towards now doing far more app and live streaming. And it's really worked this year. I mean... During the COVID uh, pandemic, we've managed to somehow um, come out of the woods looking even better than we've ever looked. And Tony's uh, mantra has to be, let's go live streaming, but let's do it well. And today we had live onboards, live drone shots from the Circuit of the Americas, uh, four live onboards in the feature race in Trans Am. Nice. We had all the group racing for SBRA, all covered all day long. Around the world, we had people viewing in Japan, in Uruguay, in Mexico, in New Zealand. Um, and I, I do really think it's the future. And I don't mean to be rude to any of the, the TV networks, but as you can imagine, historic racing doesn't really ignite a TV audience or at least a TV network to give it lots of time. And if they want, you'd have to buy on. Trans Am, different. People will watch Trans Am. But frankly, I think we're, we're in a better capsulation to control our message and our advertising through live streaming. And we also use the latest technology with live view with green light television. And I really do think it's the future. I, I've got a lot of time for what they're doing. Uh, and personally, I think it's going from strength to strength. The, they have just announced the 2021 uh, schedule. And if you want to download either the SBRA app or the um, 
Trans Am app. You can see what we're doing. Go transam.com. But we're, we've got something like 17 events next year, and we're going to all the iconic races, including going to um, the Roval at uh, Charlotte. We're also going to Canada. Uh, and then there's the usual suspects like Laguna, Cota, Watkins Glen, Lime Rock, you name it. So um, I'm just, I'm, I'm really excited. I feel like I'm right in the heart of American racing now, being part of this championship. And I'm delighted for Tony and John Claggett, who does the Trans Am Championship. That's awesome. I think it is uh, great that it's got this new Oh, and blood. by the way, yeah, we're, we're adding Formula 3 and Formula 4 next year. Oh, my gosh, that's fantastic. All right, guys, hey, we got to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to continue our discussion about what happened at Cota, but we're going to talk some Formula 1 as well because some things happened this week, including the announcement of a new race. You're listening to Speed City Live from Austin, Texas. Back after a quick break. When you're looking for traditional Tex-Mex, look no further than an Austin favorite, one in a million. Serving original family recipes since 1980 and located just minutes from downtown at 2300 East Cesar Chavez, one in a million has your Tex-Mex fix every day of the week from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. Breakfast is served all day. Homemade migas, enchiladas, and menudo. And try the Don Juan taco. Some say it's big enough to feed a family of four. One in a million. Online at oneinamillion.com. Motivation USA, catering to the sport bike enthusiast looking for truly unique parts and accessories. Stand out from the crowd. Motivation is the exclusive North American distributor for SC Project MotoGP inspired exhausts and the largest Rizoma retailer in the United States. Get the best parts from around the world at the best prices with fast shipping and a knowledgeable staff ready to help. Shop online 24-7 at MotivationUSA.com. That's MotivationUSA.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Talk 1370. Hi, this is Max Steppen, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, Max Verstappen bringing us back. We've got to talk some Formula One. Probably one of the biggest stories of the week for Formula One was the announcement of the new Saudi Arabia race that is coming at Kadia next year and be a, 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 a street race, but also a night race. And I, I want to talk to you about this, Jonathan. I want to start with you. I, I'm going to just enjoy the fact that we're going to have another night race, another new circuit, and not get into the politics and all that. I'm going to let you do that, Jonathan. I, wanna, I, ah. def- I definitely want to talk about that just because, but... You know, motorsports has how many years did we take the cigarette money in motorsports? And, you know, so there, there's definitely some negatives to this kind of stuff, but I'm just excited for a new race. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. We talked about this before the show and I don't want Formula One to go to Saudi Arabia personally. That's a political reason, because I think you, you've seen the, the sort of um, the, the news coming out, uh, the human rights issues that Saudi Arabia has and we all know the news I don't need to get into it but if you don't know Saudi Arabia don't have a good um, human rights record and and therefore I don't think we should be advertising and spending our our bucks uh, go, you know going going to places which which don't necessarily follow the same ideals as us now that is a very idealistic um, view 
Um, that said, I would love to go to another street race. And the truth is, I have been part of China, Malaysia, now Vietnam. Uh, and so I would be hypocritical to say that I haven't been back uh, a big backer of the likes of Singapore, the likes of Malaysia and the likes of China coming to Formula One uh, and becoming uh, household names as tracks. And, and the reason that uh, Malaysia is probably the best example, people didn't know where Kuala Lumpur were, was and Singapore to a certain extent. And since they've been on the Formula One calendar, they're a huge tourist destination. They're sophisticated cities with a lot of love, a lot of money. A lot of, they make the rubber in Malaysia. They make uh, Petronas oil, of course. Um, and so they are a worthy partner. Um, but I just feel that with Saudi Arabia, it might be a bridge too far. Um, I used to go to Qatar for um, super bikes. And while it's a great track, um, I, I, I still never felt comfortable. There, well, there was no culture. There was nobody in the, you know, in the, in the grandstands. They effectively paid for the event. Um, and, you know, I was never particularly comfortable uh, being somewhere that wasn't a, a racing culture. Um, and, and now the World Cup soccer is going to Qatar. And I don't really, um, you know, have a lot of time for that either. All right. Well, so let me counterpoint that a little bit. I said I wasn't going to get into the politics, but I'm going to because <laughs> because think about what's all this all, all of a sudden now. This is the discussion. And if there is discussion about it, that's the way you solve a problem. Because now we're all talking about it. It's just raising the awareness of the problem itself. So maybe I'm going to take the path. Imagine that, Jonathan. The glass half uh, full. Uh, Unbelievable. <laughs> I'm going to take the uh, perspective that this is going to be a good thing for that, that it could help the problem. How about that? Well, and to be fair, Saudi Arabia are doing tennis tournaments, golf tournaments. Uh, and Formula E. Hard. They've got a lot of money, Formula E. Um, they are trying to bring themselves into the 21st century. And by hook or by crook, and certainly by money, they're doing that. They have a very modern uh, city uh, and cities uh, there. Um, but you're right. Maybe maybe this is what is the catalyst uh, to change things. Um, and I mean, you know, let's let's try to keep out of the politics a little bit. Uh, Lewis Hamilton was asked about it, and and he again said the right thing, which was he didn't know enough about the problems or the outrage of going to Saudi Arabia. Uh, there was outrage when they went to Bahrain, I may add. Um, sure. So, you know, and we're still, you know, that's still been a part and we'll be going to Abu Dhabi uh, in the United Arab Emirates as well. And Qatar is still very much, um, you know, a track. Listen, where motor racing grows, the sport is growing and we want motor racing to be loved by everyone in the world and it to be proliferated around the world so in that respect um in a sort of cathartic way i'd like to see motorsport on every corner of the planet um but you know um it depends it depends what why they're doing it if you want my down and dirty reason oh. why they're going to saudi arabia is that saudi arabia will pay a lot oh, yeah. for that street race and they've lost a lot of money this year because of covid that's business folks yeah there's nothing it's very clear why they're doing it. It's for money, and look, that's that's their job. They they've got to keep the sport going. It's a public but, company, but yeah, they got to make money. That's right. But they also, if you assume, you know, I've taught Formula One, Chase Carey, and all the guys up there have talked publicly about the positive things. You know, we race as one, and all the other things they've talked about this year. I feel certain they're going to take a little bit of the spin that I just talked about in some way, and and really. Tr truly try to make a positive from these kinds of things like that. So. And by the way, the Middle East and Middle East money has had an influence on motor racing since the year dot. So go look at Alan Jones's uh, 1982 winning car for Williams uh, in the World Championship. I mean, you know, the sponsorship, um, you know, look at Abu Dhabi with the Ferrari world now. Um, the influence of the Middle East uh, is growing by the day. And, you know, you can sit and look at and not be progressive and not be open uh, and say, we're not going there because you're not like us. Well, that doesn't really work in today's 21st century. So I think, you know, I, I, I am putting forward a, an old school, uh, you know, um, view at first, but I'm also willing to, to, to open up both sides of the debate and say, okay, you're right, John, the glass half full is the way to go. Let's give it a chance. If there is some backlash, if there is some, um, negativity towards that race or even physically being there with the fans and Formula One, 
then then it should be reconsidered. But if it goes off well and it's a successful event, and I certainly think that in terms of investment, a street race there would be both unique. I mean, Baku, look at look at how successful yeah. that's been. Nobody thought that would pos- was possible. Why yeah. would we go there? Vietnam, why on earth would we go there? Well, we're going, and I think it'll be a huge success. And in Vietnam's case, I think it's really important that they put themselves on the map. I've been to Vietnam. I've done a sports event there. I did a marathon there. And they it's a beautiful country. And it is much maligned because of the Great War that was there uh, back in the 70s. That's how it's known. Uh, and it shouldn't be because that was a long, long time ago. And Vietnam is open to the world. And I think races like Formula One going there shows it. Well, so What was your time I, I, in the I'm, marathon? I'm, you know. I'll echo what uh, John said in, in that I hope that there are issues. This puts a magnifying glass on it and helps address the civil rights issues. But Jonathan, you just blew through and you put out a really important statement there that I, I got to raise issue with. You said you went somewhere and you did a marathon. You ran 26 <laughs> miles. That's what I said. What was his time? <laughs> well, what when I say I, 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 I did a marathon, I, 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 he said it. He said I, he did a marathon. <laughs> I covered a marathon. Oh, you covered a marathon. Okay, okay. I clarification. Two documentaries in Vietnam: one in Hanoi and one in Ho Chi Minh. I like how you just blew by that. <laughs> no, I didn't race them. You wouldn't see me racing twenty-six miles. Come on, the the, the fridge is about the closest I get to a race. <laughs> Dude, uh, and I'm, and I'm damn quick getting there. I can tell you. Uh, hey, I want to I want to come back to the United States for a moment. Les, you got a story in here about Miami. What's going on? Is it is Miami not dead? Miami is one? not dead. It is absolutely not dead. Chase Carey is uh, still actively working with uh, the crew in Miami. They are looking at it. Obviously, things have kind of stalled for this year in many aspects. Yeah. But uh, Miami is absolutely still interested in getting it done. Certainly, they'll have to deal with the. Uh, the neighborhood issues that they've got, but that's a good thing. Now, somebody else raised an issue last week. Uh, uh, I went up and did that bicycle event a week and change ago, and somebody brought up, well, whatever came of Miami, and furthermore, what's come of the captain owning Indy Motor Speedway now? He has mentioned he's willing to get back into the F1 world. Are we going to create a situation there's too much competition in the U.S. that can afford a Formula One race? I don't think so. Yeah. I, I think, you know, right from the get-go, Liberty Media said we want three races uh, in the United States. That's our, our wish. They expected them to be street races because that, at the time, was the, the best possibility. But now I think there's a possibility of having three races, one at Cota, obviously. That's the only FIA Formula One spec circuit. And, and, it's, and it's a fantastic home for the U.S. Grand Prix, and it should remain so. Uh, Miami would be a fantastic street race and think about the six hour flight, seven hour flight from Europe, easy, easy contact yeah. with, uh, all the fans, let alone the American fans. Um, and I think that, like you say, Roger Penske is now, uh, very much in the picture w- with owning IMS. Uh, and I think a chance to go back to the Indy road course, uh, and as they have done in Indy, make it a success. That course is, is a great course. And, of course, it's a great venue, and they love their motorsport. It doesn't matter whether it's Indy, NASCAR, or bike racing. I was at a bike race for Moto America there a few weeks ago. And, you know, any form of motorsport in Indianapolis, Indianapolis is popular. So I can see all three races getting, well, getting made. And I'll counter a little bit. Before Penske entered the, the arena, in, entered IMS as the owner, I was all for a Miami race. But now if we've got the opportunity to have Formula One at Indy, I don't want another race any closer than we are to Indy, just for the sake of the sport. Not not the selfish reason I don't want to dilute what's going on at Coda. I want to see a West Coast. Well, wait a minute. If we're going to have Indy, let's have something a little more central. Let's call it us. And then let's go to the West Coast, to LA, San Diego area for a West Coast. Geographically, that'll disperse the fans across the country. And from a calendar sequential event i don't want either one of those coming immediately before or after the other as we used to talk about canada to the u.s and mexico and brazil uh, when we talked about those and then potentially throwing in miami i didn't want austin and miami against each other i'd prefer it to be like canada and austin and then the later half of the year let's do miami and and head to mexico after that 
Yeah, it would make sense to have because the June date in Montreal has been almost in stone for mm-hmm. 30 years now. Um, it's June 11th. I can I can tell you exactly when the date is. Um, I, you know, it's it's been in stone and it's a great event. But it makes more sense for me to see the following race being Indianapolis at the end of June, let's say, um, before going back to Europe for. Uh, and Liberty are more geographically minded when it comes to the calendar. And I think because at the moment it, it's it's Canada and back to Britain um, for the July event. Um, and I think there is room for that June 11th event for Montreal and then haul it down, as it were, uh, by road uh, down to um, Indianapolis. And that makes sense. And then, you know, then go back to Europe for another round of the European um side of it and that would therefore not come into any sort of factor when it comes to i think our mexico brazil um cota sort of triumphant will will remain the most geographically sensical way of doing um the sort of southern part of the americas for us you know you're right yeah you'd obviously save some travel logistics you know going from canada to indy and potentially doing something else there I, I think that's a good call to have those paired up and then later in the season have uh, Austin and, and Mexico, even though I still would like to see Austin and Mexico not be sequential races. Or at least two weeks between them. Yeah. I mean, look, it, it, it would be great if we could space them out exactly the way we wanted and all that, but we, we really have to kind of see how it plays out because yeah, logistically it makes a lot more sense for them to travel that way. But Hey, guys, let's shift gears because I want to talk about this story that I saw on motorsport.com from Adam Cooper talking about Honda's withdrawal from the sport. And Chase Carey, Formula One CEO Chase Carey, said that Honda's, and this is his opinion, he said that Honda's withdrawal from the sport was driven by economics. And he remains optimistic that the 2026 engine rules will appeal to different manufacturers. And in this article, he quoted, he talked about how VW was enthusiastic about that. He said, his quote, he said, I don't know if you saw the quote coming a couple months ago from the CEO of Volkswagen. They couldn't have been more positive about what we're doing and the importance of us as a us as Formula One as a platform. So, I mean, we all knew that when it I don't know why Honda came out and said that, you know, that they're they're changing their strategy in motorsports because and then immediately came out and said Indy was going to be a a focus for them. But I I think we all knew it was economic. But uh, Uh, to be fair, though, Indy is a lot cheaper in, in terms of developing engines than yeah than Formula. well yeah and that, absolutely no doubt but I, I do love the fact that Kerry is talking about other manufacturers in 2026 and you know budget caps and everything and i was talking to my son today and he mentioned that that porsche had developed uh you know remember where there's rumor about porsche coming into formula one with a as a powertrain manufacturer and they talked yeah. about they had developed a motor and he was saying that they had gone pretty far with that and that it was a motor that a power tr- power unit, I should say, that was developed from the 919 wet car. I mean, yeah, you, yeah it was, as you know, instead of a V8 hybrid, it was a V6 hybrid. And so, I mean, look, this is this would be the dream. And, and right now with Honda, if they, you know, if they do stay out, which I'm assuming they're going to, we're going to need some more manufacturers. Absolutely. The uh, the Porsche involvement started, uh, I mean, as far as the powertrain and the power unit discussion started about three years as they started doing their uh, their next five year kind of trend looking at the powertrains for those. Honda was someone not currently involved in Formula One. They were somebody highly respected and very advanced in technology as said the 919 uh, that we saw. Uh, that is why they were brought in. The 919 was dominant in everything it went to uh, and it exhibited a lot of the technology that the Formula One uh, group wants to go to. By including Porsche so heavily in that, it did not necessarily uh, be influenced by a cur- current power in power unit provider to Formula One. So it is a little bit of disconnected uh, party there giving them the expertise and, and what they've learned and where they could go with it. So that was, uh, as I understand, a big part of Porsche being involved in that. Yeah. And just another point on Honda, I think, and I heard Christian Horner say this um, on the Sky coverage the other week, which is he was asked, you know, what are your options? And he said, well, the obvious option is for us to become, uh, to run our own 
Honda engines um, and develop the Honda engines and effectively, um, you know, continue the program, but not under Honda's auspices as a company, um, but take a team uh, of people that would develop a effectively a customer uh, product, um, which w without actually being Honda Motorsport. Um, I mean, Honda are involved in so much motorsport. And I could, you know, with a big company wielding like that, they've got to go with what they think is the best thing for them. They've, they've plumped for Indy at the moment, for sure. They're heavily involved in TCR. They're heavily involved in lots of different other motorsports. And, of course, heavily involved in bike racing in terms of their motorcycle program. So Honda's a massive company and sells a lot of cars, especially here in the States. Um, so I was befuddled a little bit by the announcement, but not by the fact that Honda themselves... Uh, were going to pull out because the, of the money spent. They're, they're frugal at best. The Japanese always are. They don't like to spend a lot of money. That was the problem for Toyota when they came into Formula One. Um, they didn't realize just what it takes to be at the sharp end, I think. Um, and therefore, their, their entry into Formula One was not a success, unfortunately. Honda have had much more success over the years. Um, and I just think that, that um, both Formula One's options and, to a certain extent, Red Bull's options are best to try to keep Honda or at least that engine involved yeah. in Formula One because it's now uh, a very, very good engine. Uh, and maybe they do some sort of deal where um, they uh, lease those Honda engines from Honda and maybe even take some expertise from Japan to run the engines and run the program. Um, but I don't think they want to be all... I mean, you look, look at the record they've had with McLaren uh, and Red Bull in the last few years. It, it's finally come good, but they've had to put up with a lot of backlash and bad press by being involved in Formula One. So when you look at the, the balance of, of sort of the last decade for Honda in Formula One, it's not been a good program. Yeah, and there's that is more than just a rumor. I mean, I think I even saw Christian Horner mention that that was being discussed. But hey, guys, we got to take a break. And when we come back, First thing we're going to talk about is MotoGP coming back to Coda. The provisional calendar for next year has been released, and we'll talk about that. So you're listening to Speed City. We're live in Austin, Texas, back after a quick break. Winding Road Racing is your first and best choice for all the essentials for a great weekend at the track. We're racers, and we love helping racers. With a full selection of racing gear in stock, get geared up with all the safety equipment needed to meet all the latest Snell FIA and SFI regulations. Outfit your car with a comprehensive lineup of racing necessities, and when you need to find a few more tents, turn to data acquisition systems from AIM Sports, V-Box, and others. Austin-based with shops in California, Georgia, and Kentucky, the source for all your racing needs. Winding Road Racing, windingroadracing.com. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride. Or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. Talk 13.7, the right choice. Hello, I'm Jenny Gow from BBC F1. You are listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back. We did spend the day today at Circuit of the Americas for Trans Am, SVRA, and all the fun, but we got some news this week about Circuit of the Americas for 2021, and the MotoGP provisional calendar was released, and Circuit of the Americas is back in its normal slot for April 18th, third on the calendar behind Qatar and Argentina, and that is a tradition that I'm very happy to hear is continuing. Not that I doubted it was coming back. It was never in jeopardy, wouldn't you think, Jonathan? No, uh, it's a hugely popular event, and the MotoGP guys love coming here. Uh, and I think it's ironic that uh, while Mark Marquez has been a little poorly after his break at uh, Jerez, his brother is now up to speed in MotoGP. So come April, get your tickets because both 
Marquez brothers will go head to head to see who's king of Coda. Will they get to see? <laughs> will they get to see Valentino Rossi next year? He's been in the news too. Yes, I think they will. I think so too. And Valentino <laughs> Les was... says no. No, no. I just said oh. Yeah, you're thinking yeah, about that, his uh, why he was in I... the, his COVID, COVID test, right? Yeah, he is. Uh, he's he's come back uh, hitting pretty hard. It sounded like, and so uh, he was away for a bit. I was really hoping, uh, you know, with Marquez out for so long of this season that we'd have a have a chance to see Valentino get his number 10. Yeah, I know there. what you mean. But, it wasn't to be. By the way, guess who was um, – here's a good story for you. Guess who was going to replace Rossi if he didn't get his COVID test back uh, negative? Uh, Kimmy Rackinen. Garrett Gerloff from uh, <laughs> Houston, Texas. Or, oh, that's um, right. I did sh- – yeah. yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Spring, Texas, Garrett Gerloff. How about that? I like that idea. Hey, Jonathan, I want to talk about a story. Tell everybody, first of all, where this story comes from, the website where you write an article, what, about once a month or so? Yep. Uh, I write for Talk Motorsport in uh, New Zealand, uh, and I do opinion pieces, and I did uh, a recent uh, opinion piece on Scott Dixon, um, the great Scott, as it were, and Scott McLaughlin. Um, because both of them racing in the final race of the Indy Championship at St. Petersburg. But uh, while Scott McLaughlin is just starting his Indy career, uh, obviously Scott Dixon is not, he's not at the end of his career, but he is literally now in rarefied air. It's only AJ Foyt that's got more titles than him. Uh, or, you know, the, 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 in, in terms of um, victories, Scott Dixon has got 90 and Mario Andretti has got 92. And then A.J. Foyt has got the most. So um, Scott Dixon is about to become a GOAT for sure uh, because he's just 40. Uh, he's still going strong. He's still winning. He won the title again this year and um, really excited for that. But what the other side of the story, which I mentioned in the article, um, is the fact that uh, how cool is it going to be next year? We mentioned Jimmy at the top. Jimmy Johnson is going to be Scott Dixon's teammate, <laughs> seven-time NASCAR champion, Six-time IndyCar champion together, working together, awesome. And let's, likely you're saying earlier, Les, old guys rule. They do. That's rule. <laughs> yeah, two two forty-year-olds on the same IndyCar team. That, I mean, Jonathan, what you're saying about Dixon, you kind of forget because he's, you know, he's still obviously crazy competitive and doing so great. But he is just on that precipice of being the greatest of all time. About, greatest of all time, yeah. You know, and it's incredible. He's been, you know, he's he's been racing in America uh, most of his adult life. He came over here as a youngster, uh, did Formula Ford in New Zealand, and then came over. And he's been with Chip Ganassi ever since. And that's the other thing that's really cool. It's been an amazing partnership. He's won. I mean, think about this. This year alone, he won the Rolex Twenty Four Hours. He won Petit Le Mans, and he won the IndyCar Series. <sighs> yeah, at forty. At 40. Not bad. Not bad. Valentino Rossi could appreciate that. Yeah. Speaking, are speaking of old guys, we got, uh, well, we are coming up on the uh, running out of time. Let's see. We've covered Formula One. We've covered MotoGP, IndyCar, NASCAR, Trans Am, SVRA. Uh, what else have we not covered? How about let's talk in, yeah, let's talk turkeys because it's turkey <laughs> next weekend. It's, it's next weekend. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, I think we've covered every story that I've got in here. Oh, there is one more, real quick. Next weekend, um, we've got Turkish for Grand Prix, like Jonathan's talking about for Formula One. But the the next weekend after that is in Bahrain, and then they follow it up with a double header, which is the short course in Bahrain. So yeah, next weekend we're going to be back on the air doing our Formula One pre and post race shows. Very early. I haven't even looked at the clock. I don't know if the producers looked at the clock. I don't even know. It's going to be. Oh, he'll be on it. Yeah, he'll be on it. It's probably a 7 a.m. start for us. You can go to speedcitybroadcast.com to see. Oh, my God. He just said 4 a.m. in my ear. What? Wow. Whoa. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I think I've got a wedding or a barvitz <laughs> or a haircut that day. Uh, yeah, but we do, as you as you know, if you're a fan of Speed City, we do the Formula One pre- and post-race show surrounding the BBC play-by-play. So go to our website to check out where to hear that uh, on national radio. But thanks, everybody. 
for tuning in. And we'll be back, of course, next Sunday night. You can hear a show. It's either a replay of our Formula One show or a live show every Sunday night. So thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next week. Ciao, y'all. Happy trails. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.